We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Ryan, it's mailbag time. We got some more. We are got some already in there. Uh, we're still working through finding some more. But if you have some questions for the mailbag, throw them in there now. Uh, but we've we've got some good questions today. Archer four five two. How many snaps? So he is not our resident Ohio State fan anymore because he's still here, even though the Ohio State game is in the rearview mirror. So he is now a member of the IB family. So uh, we appreciate having you, man, and we're glad you stuck around. He says, "How many snaps does Drew Pine get this weekend?" Uh, do they play Tyler Buckner the entire game to get him more snaps rhythm, or do you play Pine in garbage time? I definitely think Drew Pine needs to play. And yes. it's not because I don't have faith in Tyler Buckner. I have full faith in Tyler Buckner. It's just that you may need Drew Pine at some point in time this year, and you need to make sure that he's got some experience and opportunities under his belt. And yep. now, does that mean I'm benching Tyler? Not benching. Does that mean I'm pulling Tyler Buckner at halftime if I have a big lead and then letting Drew get three, four series of the first-team offense? No. I do want to get Tyler more work, but getting Tyler work in the fourth quarter when you're up 35 to Marshall is not making him a better player. It's mm-hmm. not. It's so so get Drew in the game then. I would probably give Drew a series in this game with the ones. I definitely would like to see that. And then maybe he goes with the number two offensive line, but you maybe give him a series with with one of your backs or a couple of the top receivers. I take Mayer out, but maybe Lee Styles and and Lindsay in there to get them going too. But I think Drew Pine needs the work. Uh, he definitely needs the work. And and even as two guys who are very pro Tyler Buckner as far as, far as being the starter, Drew yeah. Pine is going to have his number called at some point time this year. And you need to make sure he's ready. And he works his butt off, and he earns the he's earned the opportunity to be on the field as well. And it's not as a starter, but he needs a chance to go out there and show what he can do and, and get sharp and get some live game reps and be ready for whenever his number is called. It's a it's a really interesting balance because you know I think you I think you kind of coined it perfectly, Brian. It's Tyler Buckner needs to play, right? Like we've talked all offseason about the fact that like he just needs to play. He needs to have live bullets. But then there's also the other fact of like, hey, your backup quarterback also needs to stay ready at all times too, right? So I agree. I, I wouldn't pull him too early if everything's going the way you hope that it does go, but. True Pine needs to get some play. It needs to play in this football game. Like, there's no doubt about it. I'm not as worried to see, you know, if they can squeeze in Steve Angeli at the end or like anything like that. Like, I, but for a competitive full scope of the season, Drew Pine needs to be ready just in case. Like, they're literally one snap away of a bit, something bad happening to him being the guy for the foreseeable future, right? So, you always need to keep those guys ready to go just in case. Cause I mean, that's your job as a coach, right? Is to prepare for the worst case. Like that is the job. So God forbid something happens to Tyler, but Drew Pine needs to be ready just in case. So I agree completely. I think he needs some snaps. Tyler Buckner needs some snaps. So I hope they don't take Buckner out too early in this game. If everything's going well, but I also do want to see Drew in this game because like you said, he's a hardworking kid. He has been a class act as a person and he could be an important football player to this play, for this team, at, especially during a game at some point. So I, I definitely want to see him play as well, no doubt about it. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a super chat down here from MiltonFan15. Great job, guys. Thank you very, 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 very much. Uh, I had another question that I wanted to jump down here to real quick. And Robert Bishop said, Marshall ain't no slouch. They do have just as many movies made about them as we do. You know, false, false. (laughs) Notre Dame has at least two movies made about them. There is Newt Rockne All-American, correct, which starred uh, Ronald Reagan, you know what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. as the Gipper. Mm -hmm. How can you leave mm-hmm. that one out? And then, of course, Rudy. And there's been yes. other things like people pointed out in the breakup. They had a game. They were at Notre Dame Stadium for a game with Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. So um, that's erroneous. I think Marshall only has that's one erroneous. movie made about them, correct? Which, by the way, was a phenomenal movie. I don't ever seen it. I, I love We Are Marshall. It was really well done. It was really, really. You know, well my, done. my my wife has never seen it. I tried to make her watch it like three weeks ago, and she said it was boring. It was very upsetting to me. Yeah, does your wife yeah. have no soul? What is wrong I, with that? I know, man. I was like, seriously, you don't think this is interesting? She's like, yeah, it's like a cool story. But I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to stop talking to you for a few minutes. (laughs) Questioning major life decisions now at this point in time, it would have been my reaction. So I I wouldn't have gone that far, but (laughs) (laughs) it's okay when you said that. (laughs) Hey, she's going to see me this week, and I don't want her to smack me. So don't tell her I said that. She's not going to see you this weekend. Oh, she's not coming this weekend? Okay, just you? Okay. Well, okay. Pop, Pops and my friend are coming too. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I enjoyed meeting her and, and the little one last time you guys were in town. So we'll have to do that again here soon. Yes, absolutely. Right. No, Notre Dame 2164. It is weird that I think it hurts more to have a chance to win a big game and falling short than it does to just get blown out. I think the immediate gut punch is that way. But I, I think bigger picture, I don't feel that way. I, I, I think I can understand that reaction, Ryan. But I yeah. just kind of look at it holistically of of what a blowout loss can do to your team's psyche. And that's how yeah. I always kind of look at it. So, like, as a fan, I totally get what Notre Dame 2164 is saying here. Totally get it. As a coach, though, is like, and that's kind of how the lens I always try to look at things. No. No. Give me the game we should have won because I feel like I can learn more from that and my team is going to grow from that where getting blown out, you're just like, maybe we're not that good, you know, and – uh uh-uh. I just I can't I can't do it. But I do understand the reaction of why a fan would feel that way for sure. For sure. I think the gut punch is the way good way to phrase it, right? It's it stings, right? Like when you lose a close football game, a game that you think you have an opportunity to win, it stings. I would say though this, Brian, like if no, when Notre Dame gets blown out or like in the past games, you know, the, the Clemson 2018 and Alabama 2020 and Alabama 2012, it's like deflating. That's what I would mm-hmm. call it. Like, it's just like everything just got burst, right? Like a gun punch, like a, a gut punch, you get hit, but then you're like, you can recover relatively quickly. Right. But like when you get deflated, it's like, wow, man, we are just not even in the ballpark. Like we're right. nowhere near good enough for whatever right. reason. Right. So right. I think it's just a different severity of disappointments, but it's still, it still derives from the same disappointments. If that right. makes sense. Oh, it does. It does. I think, I think that's a, a, yes, I'm on the same page with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's see here. John a one has a question for the mailbag. Now that the freshman cornerbacks have proved it, proved they can be counted on. Do you make the move for Barnes to safety and allow Watts to focus more on receiver? I would definitely say the second one. I don't know if I would say that about the first one, because I, number one, I, I still like Ryan Barnes at corner. And I still think with Cam Hart's injury history, 
right, where he's had some shoulder problems in the past. And, and just the fact that one game doesn't answer all the questions we had about Clarence Lewis. Now, it was a big answer because he did it against Ohio State, right, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, I'd, I'd ha- I have a lot more confidence that Clarence Lewis has turned a corner because of what he did against Ohio State than if you flipped games and he did that against Marshall and now we're getting ready to go play Ohio State. I'd still have the same concerns I had about Clarence Lewis before. But because he's going to have more, but more confidence, but it's still one game, right? Like mm-hmm. we have said, don't overreact to one game. That's positives and negatives, right? You can't just you can't just cherry pick and say, oh, no, no, anything that happened bad, don't overreact to it because it's just one game. That's also true for you know good things as well. Uh, you know, there's been some years when Rams stunk where they looked pretty good in the opener, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the '09 year against against. Uh, uh, Nevada and everybody was like, "Oh, they killed Nevada and beat Colin Kaepernick and all this other kind of stuff." And you're like, "Yeah, it was, it was fool's gold." You know, mm-hmm. Nevada receiver dropped like ten balls that game, right? So, uh, to me, I still need to see Benjamin Morrison doing it again. You know, how's how can he consume a game plan when he's only got a week to prepare for it? It's the same thing for him. You know, how does Jaden Mickey bounce back from getting beat on Saturday? We all agree that we think he's going to respond fine. If anything, it's going to tick him off, as we've talked yes. about. But I still need to see it, right? Mm-hmm. And I think those guys are tremendous players. But I just need to see more than one game before I'm ready to start moving other dudes around because yeah. we are just assuming they're going to be good, especially since, you know, Cam Hart's probably going to be gone after this year, I think. You know, so I'm not quite ready to do that yet with Ryan Barnes unless he's going to play. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're moving him to safety because he's going to play, then move him. Uh, yep. If he's going to take Xavier Watts snaps right now, then move him. Because I definitely would move Xavier Watts to receiver like now. Full-time move, get him the stinking ball, put him over there, make the move permanent, and get the kid to rock. Uh, yep. That's absolutely what I would do in that regard. You, you just said that you need to see more, Brian. You know who else needs to see more? Coaches in order to have yeah. trust, right? Like, I don't think that yeah. – I'm sure that they are over the moon with their positivity over what Benjamin Morrison can do down the line and even Jane Mickey. Right. But the fact of the matter is, to your point, it's only one game. Trust is not built in one football game, right? Like that's a move where, all right. Oh, he's strong. He's strong together three to four. Nice play. Nice games in a row. Like now let's start to make that move. Like that's more when things happen. In my opinion, I don't think uh, most coaches aren't impulsive at that, to that level. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that you just need to stay patient with it. It was awesome to see. It's really, really reassuring for the future. But we also know we're especially talking about a freshman, right? Usually people talk about the freshman wall during fall camp. There's also a freshman wall that happens sometimes during the season, right? That's why it's like so up and down sometimes freshman year. So let's let's give it a little more time. But it was very nice mm-hmm. to see Benjamin Morrison have such a great game in the first first game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the thing is I've got to be careful with that answer too, Ryan, because I need to make sure that I'm not going with my confirmation bias after one game about Benjamin Morrison, right? Because everybody knows how high I was on Benjamin Morrison. He plays one great game. It's not like I was right. Everybody was wrong. He's now your best corner. It, it made me feel a lot more comfortable. Like, okay, I think I'm, I'm right on this one. But it, it, well, as an analyst, I think, oh, see, it showed that I'm right. But if I'm a coach and I'm looking at it from a coach's standpoint, I got to see him do it more than one game before I'm ready to say, okay, we're going to turn it all over to him, Ryan. So I think that's a, I think that's a, a great, great, great point. So um, Potter and Weasley's golden life. That's a great name, by the way. I absolutely love that. Uh, do you think we'll see more of Tobias? And I love the pups and the, and the avatar too, by the way, do you think we'll see more of Tobias Merriweather? Uh, he needs on the field and not just for mop up duty. I don't, I don't know if we'll see more of Tobias Merriweather, but I will tell you right now, we better, like we absolutely better see more of Tobias Merriweather this week. And I'm not talking about when you're up 28 to three at halftime. I'm talking about quarter numero uno. Now, last year they did a similar thing with Tyler Buckner, if you remember, Ryan, where Tyler didn't play in the opener on, on the road in a primetime game against Florida State. Week later, he started getting action. They had a plan for him. And we knew going in they were going to have a plan for him. They put him in with Nernie backed up at like their own six something like that, like inside their own 10, and, and he runs the ball out and has a 20-plus yard gain. So I would hope that they have a similar philosophy with Tobias. Now, again, I don't agree he should have pl- – I think he should have played on Saturday night. I'm sorry, I just do. Right. But if it's like, hey, let's not throw him into the wolves and put him in a bad situation where if it doesn't go well, he gets, you know, whatever, 
okay, fine. It is what it is. But now you're home. You're playing Marshall. You're playing Cal. You're playing North Carolina. It's time to get that kid going, and he's got to play. So, yes, to answer the question, I don't know if we will see him, but we need to see him, and he needs to become a regular in the rotation now, like now. There's no question about it. I would hate to see if, like, if they put him in the game, Brian, like at the end in garbage time and just run the football out and he's just like out there just stock blocking. Like, that is just such, that would be deflating. That would be deflating, man. Like, I, I want to see the kid play. I do. I want to see the goods. That's just, that maybe is a selfish, selfishness on my end. But also, we've talked, how, how many hours have we spent talking about the wide receiver room and the lack of depth, right? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we creating depth right now? Why aren't we doing it? I mean, especially when we're talking about a kid that is a 6'4", 190-something pounds, athletic, true freshman. Like, why is he not getting an opportunity, right? So I hope that you're right. I hope that it's been a part of the plan. There's an acclimatization process that's happening with the freshman. I, I hope that that's the case because I just – Otherwise, I can't really justify it based upon everything we heard. It's not like it's not like he's been a player, Brian, where it's like you didn't hear his name all fall camp or whatever, that he wasn't playing well or that he's, you know, getting eased along slowly. Like he was a guy that was a standout pretty much throughout the entire camp. Mm-hmm. So want to see him play. Agree completely. Right, we're not advocating for him to play it. because of his recruiting rankings. That's not how we no. roll. I think it's, he's earned it through he, fall camp. Yeah, exactly. 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 I think you nailed it, Ryan. Let's go to the next question from Matt Romero. Matt, haven't seen you in a while. Good to see you back in here in the uh, the chat. Assume Notre Dame scores seven touchdowns on Saturday. Which seven players, offensive and defense, would you want to account for those scores? I'm going to say this right now. If Notre Dame scores at least 49 points on Saturday, I don't want any of them to be from the defense. I yes. know those are fun and entertaining, but I, I don't want to see it because I want to see the offense just rolling. So I would I would like to see at least one touchdown from all three of the running backs. I would definitely like to see that. I would like to see three pass game touchdowns. So I'm going to go Michael Mayer. I'd like to see Braden Lindsay get a big one. And I'd like to see Tobias Merriweather get one. And then Tyler Buckner is going to rip one off on the ground. So that's mm-hmm. my seven. So each back gets one. That. The Lindsay and Mayer and Merriweather get one. Styles is going to get on the board next week against Cal. And then Buckner runs one in. That's my, that's my seven. All right. So if I have to go with seven as well, I'm going to do it – similarly to you, but I'm going to do it a little different. Ready? So I want to see Chris Tyree screen pass for six, right? Break off a long screen. I want to see Brayden Lindsay, Lorenzo Styles, and I'll go with Jaden Thomas as my other receiver to get something because I do, I do want to see Jaden play, and I want him to get a little bit of his confidence going as well. So that's four p- touchdown passes in the through the air for me, Brian, and I'll say three touchdowns on the ground. Estimate run was one in. Logan Diggs, and I also will say Tyler Buckner scores one on the ground. So all three of the running backs score in my scenario as well. It's just Chris Tyrese comes through the air. Yep, I dig it. I dig it. Somebody had said that uh, they are talking about the Notre Dame movie thing, and there was a comment down here. Somebody said that uh, in The Godfather 2, there was Notre Dame and USC were on uh, in, uh-huh. a, in a scenario with Hyman Roth. Also, if you remember Die Hard, Notre Dame was – USC was in Die Hard. The very beginning – when the the fake security guy takes over and the mm-hmm. cop first walks in to check on everything, the guy sitting behind the security table watching Notre Dame USC. So that's another time when you saw Notre Dame. And there was another time when uh, I've heard that there was a time when uh, it was on um, uh, West Wing. I never watched West Wing, but I, I was told there was times because the, the president from West Wing was Notre Dame grad. Martin Sheen's character was a Notre Dame grad. So that's another one. So, yes, Notre Dame absolutely dominates Marshall in the entertainment uh, movie so, department. Yes. So Die, Die Hard is a Notre Dame movie, not a Christmas no, movie. No, it. no. It's Got a it. reference to Notre Dame. So you're trying to, so you're trying to start up. You're going to be face-to-face <laughs> with me in a couple of days. You may, that's you know true. what I mean? Like, you know, you, you, may not wanna, you may not want to do that. <laughs> I'm not threatening violence, everybody. I'm not threatening violence. Everyone uh, heard what they heard. Yeah, that's because you're manipul <laughs> you're a manipulator, Ryan. <laughs> 90 is troublemaker. 99 problems of B, but BK ain't one. Will Notre Dame throw 40 times for 400 yards and run 30 times for 205 yards and look skilled and sound and like they have a chip on their shoulder to start putting the bet to bed all the doubts? I will say this. If Notre Dame, I'll be shocked if Notre Dame goes uh over 400 yards passing in this game, just because I, just 
I don't think they're going to throw that much. I if they get to that kind of number, my hope would be that they do it by big plays. You know, more so, so than like, throwing it forty yeah. plus times. You know, so it's so like, like 20, with, 25 completions for four hundred yeah, yards. Yeah, right, yeah, or three fifty or so. You know, but like yeah. I'd rather see like three fifty and two fifty is what would make me feel a little bit better about it. But the moral of the story is, I think this rather specific the numbers. I think the point is, is looking skilled and looking sound and playing with some attitude. I think those are the parts that ninety nine hit on that are very key to this. Is whether it's three hundred yards and two hundred fifty yards or four hundred and two hundred or whatever that other part's going to be key. We need to come out of this game feeling like, okay, we do have some players. They just got to step up and, and and be used more and then execute more, but they have talent. If we're coming out of this game wondering, uh, you know, about the skill talent at Notre Dame, that's going to be a big problem for me, Ryan. Let's go to the next question here from Leighton Burkholder. He says, question, I know I have heard different things about how Riley Mills played last Saturday. What is your guys' evaluation of how he played? So, Ryan, you want to take a crack at that? Yeah, I'll say this about Riley. I thought he was the most disruptive defensive lineman on the day. I thought he had some nice pressures. thought he looked pretty strong at the point of attack for the most part. Like, I think that his hands had some pop in him. I think that there's, and as a pass rusher especially, I think that the angles need to improve a little bit, right? Because he's not, he's 290-something pounds, right? Like, he's not going to, to turn an angle the way a 230, 240-pound, 250-pound defensive end are. They're just – it's not going to look the same, right? So, I think still harp, uh, harboring on better angles as a, uh, uh, angles of pursuit for Riley Mills is going to be a big thing for me and just finishing plays at, at, the, at the end of the day, right? Like, I think if he plays a more sound game from an angle perspective and he finishes more plays, I think he's going to be a really good football player. But I'll say I felt good looking back because, honestly yeah. – I didn't hear his name a ton during the game, Brian, but like after going back and watching the film, you're like, okay, but he was disruptive. He was, he made, right. he, made, he, he disrupted the pocket. He made the pocket break a ton. It's just now about finishing plays for Riley Mills. But I thought there was a lot of solid and positive things to take from that game for Riley. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a super chat down here from Sean S. Sean uh, asks, do you think the Brandon and Joseph fair catches were game plan? I'm going to say no. And the reason I'm going to say no is because Marcus Freeman has taken a lot of heat, has taken a, a lot of the blame for the game and placed it on himself. And I had a, a message board post the other day where I said, you know, Marcus Freeman is the reason that Notre Dame lost Ohio State. And then, you know, the first comment in the actual post was, according to Marcus Freeman, because he took ownership of a lot of those things, which is what a head coach is supposed to do, right? It's it's not about blaming the coordinators, the quarterback, whatever. It's like, look, I didn't have my team ready or, you know, whatever the case may be, or we did this because I said so, even if that's not necessarily the case. He didn't, he had a comment today about the fair catching where it was very much like a, it seemed to me that it was like, that wasn't necessarily game plan. And that's something they're going to work on with Brandon Joseph. So it wasn't throwing him under the bus. It was just, it just, the comment seemed like, Hey, we've got to be able to balance, you know, being smart with being aggressive. So, but I don't know that for a fact. That's just my read on the situation. That's just my opinion on on that one, Sean. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I feel like for the most part, I mean, there's going to be times where a coach is going to say like, "Fair catch this one," like we, you know, for in a certain situation. But for the most part, it's kind of like a feel thing, right? As a punt returner, so. I think usually coaches don't tell guys, you know, as a full scope of a game, like fair catch everything, right? It's, there's going to be moments where you definitely tell them to like, hey, fair catch this one in particular. But I, I think that you were on to something, Brian. Like you said before, it, it may it may be something that's a little bit subconscious, but like if you've been if you've been working through practice all week, if you're Brandon Joseph and you understand that it's like a very conservative approach to this game of how you're going to win this game. Maybe you, the conservative just kind of rubs off on you a little bit. Right. So I think that, that might be part of it. So I think there might be something to that subconscious kind of side of the game. And also I, I just genuinely, I generally don't think that special teams coaches or coaches in general are going to tell a guy for a full game before the game, like, Hey, fair catch, everything, fair catch, everything. Mm -hmm. Like that doesn't usually happen. Let's go to another super chat down here from Tristan Paul. Thank you, Tristan, very much. Hey, y'all, I watch all the time and like your content. Just wanted to say thanks. Thank you, Tristan. Not a member yet, but thinking about it, go Irish. Tristan, you need to stop thinking about it and just do it, baby. You've got to be a man of action. I also think Thank you're going to love the board. 
yes, I think you're going to love the board. So definitely sign up with us. But we appreciate even if you don't, if you just watch our show and watch our channel, we support that. We appreciate that support as well. Tristan, if you sign up, I'll do a dad joke of the day just for you on the board. Oh, <laughs> Drunk Vigo says, what if Salerno is still the focal focal point? I'll say this. If, if we come out of this game, first of all, Matt Salerno wasn't a focal point of the offense on Saturday. They called two, two plays for him. Yeah. He played yeah. eight snaps, right? He had mm-hmm. two targets. So um, he wasn't still, so he can't still be the focal point if he wasn't the focal point on Saturday. The focal point of the past game on Saturday was Michael Mayer. Clearly, it was Michael Mayer. So, uh, but if if you come out of this game and Matt Salerno is a focal point of the offense, that's going to be incredibly problematic for me. There's no question. Uh, Alan English blaming his questions on his nine-year-old son. That's really low, Alan. Really, really low. Alan says, my nine-year... So, for context, Alan's going to the game tonight against uh, to watch Dylan Edwards play. Nice. Or is it tomorrow night? I forget. When Ryan, when does he play? Because Ryan has an it's, article on the front page of Irish Breakdown. I, I think he's a uh, Friday about, guy. Okay. So it, Ryan had in the article has when all the, the Notre Dame commits and, and their two top targets at 23 play this weekend. So some play tonight. Oh, yeah. That's why I wasn't sure. And yeah, there's the, the a, only a Saturday game or two, isn't there? Yeah, there are a couple of Saturday games. The only games tonight are Jaden Greathouse and West Laker playing and then Denton Geyer's playing. So we'll okay. see Peyton Bowen and Eli well, Bowen Thursday tonight. Night, Texas football. Most, Okay. Yeah, man. Yeah, okay. Texas football loves it apparently. So, so Alan's it's, question it's been like is multiple weeks. It's been Texas I know too. it's been weird. I don't remember this many Thursday games, but yeah. whatever. Uh, Alan English says my nine-year-old son wants to know who wins in a foot rate in a race right now. Chris Tyree or Dylan Edwards? My question would be how long is the race? Yeah, but I would imagine if it's a fifty-yard race, I'd probably go with Chris Tyree. I'd probably go with Chris Tyree on that one. Uh, I just just the times that Chris Tyree had. I mean, you know, Dylan yeah. Edwards. Won a, an event where he ran a four three eight electronically. Chris Tyree's numbers were a little bit better than that uh, when he ran when he won at the opening two years in a row. So uh, I would probably go with Chris Tyree. Now again, is Chris Tyree healthy? And here's the thing: Chris Tyree also has three years of the Matt Bayless strength program under his belt, where Dylan Edwards is still a senior in high school. Sure. So if they were to race right now, my bet would be on Chris Tyree. Right. I- so. Yeah, I'd probably take Chris Tyree. One thing, though, that is worthy of mention is that Chris is 197 pounds now, though. Sure. So, I mean, you might Means he's stronger, slow down. T- right? Yeah, but you might slow yeah. down slightly. You can also get faster. You I mean, again, could. if you look at him, a lot of that strength is coming from the lower body. You could. You know? So. Not, saying you're, not saying you're wrong. I'm just yeah. saying in the slight chance that yeah. maybe the speed is just He's slightly. listed at 197 pounds. He doesn't look like he's like he, he looks look more chiseled it doesn't look like he's put on yeah. weight it just looks like he's become more defined yeah yeah which likely will add an explosiveness but we need to see him get a chance to use that explosiveness i'm in favor but, of the unknown so give me dylan edwards yes. give me dylan edwards <laughs> i don't even know what to do with you right now ryan usma 87 says i'm looking forward to meeting the ib crew on saturday i just boarded my flight from california reminder we will have a irish breakdown tailgate on saturday we're going to try to get out there around 10, maybe I'll get out there a little bit before that, but 10 is when we're going to hope to have everything set up. We will be in the stadium reserve lot. So I ponied up to get some tick, some, some uh, two parking passes in the stadium reserve lot. So we'll be right there in front of the stadium. So you won't have to worry about going off to like some field or some over by the library. We're going to be right there by the stadium. So you'll look for us. We'll have a, we'll have a, at least one Notre Dame tent, We'll have set up, and then we'll have an IB flag hanging up in the back, and so uh, we'll uh, we'll be ready for you. So we're looking forward to meeting you. Sean will be around at some point in time. Vince is going to come after the the show is over tomorrow. The game day show is over tomorrow, so it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So look forward to seeing everybody out there. So I'd love to. He- and if you're on the message board, I have a poll up about who's coming, just so I kind of have an idea of how much food to bring. So if you could vote in that poll, that would be greatly appreciated. If you're not on the message board and you plan to come. Just leave it in the chat below and let me know because I just want to know how much food to buy because I don't want to be eating, you know, barbecue sandwiches for the next two and a half weeks, uh, sounds, you know, or have, having to freeze like five pounds, of, you know, 10 pounds of barbecue. I'd like to have an idea of, of just kind of have an idea of how, mu- how many people are coming. So I would appreciate that greatly. And I look forward to seeing you, USMA87. Virginia Irish 50 says defense played lights out. If you ask me, can't ask the defense to hold them to seven all game when the offense didn't score in the second half. Uh, look, you're absolutely right, and that's been the story for way too many years in Notre Dame, way too many years. I mean, 
yeah, the defense didn't make a stop late. They needed to because the offense wasn't going to do it. But if you'd have told me before the game, their name's going to hold Ohio State to under 400 yards and 21 points without any turnovers, I'd have said, nope. The only way you could have convinced me their name was going to hold them to 24 point, 21 points is if I said they're going to miss a couple kicks and they're going to have like two, tur- two or three turnovers. Mm-hmm. That's the only way. And Notre Dame's going to run for like 280 yards because Ohio State's just not going to have the ball enough. You yeah. know, because you're going to hold them to six possessions. They score three touchdowns and they miss a field goal and then two turnovers. That's their six possessions right there. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that that would have been how I would have predicted that game would have gone. Uh, didn't go anything like that. And they still held them to under 400 yards and three touchdowns without any turnovers. So a very impressive debut for Al Gold and his defense. See, 10 day says Murad Zikwa. I want to see everything except that double safety blitz. You know, 10 day, I definitely understand where you're coming from. I'll, I'll say this. I don't have a problem with the call on paper. I have a pro I don't love the call against that team in that moment. Uh, I, and, and honestly, if you're going to make that call, that's the place to do it. You know, you start kind of creeping up towards the red zone. I didn't like the call when you didn't have Tariq Bracey in the game. If Tariq Bracey's playing there, I think that play turns out differently, right? Johnson's not beating Tariq Bracey for a touchdown. I'm, he's just not gonna. Now, maybe he'd have thrown at somebody else for a touchdown. I don't know. But I feel like the, the problem was the execution of the blitz. I still don't love the call there. Mm-hmm. I do like yeah. the call. There's a time and a place for that. It just has to be timed better. And I thought they had the right personnel on the field at safety. It had Ramon Henderson and Brandon Joseph were two most explosive safeties. So you had the right personnel. And if it's not like they were asking a double safety blitz with DJ Brown and, and Houston Griffith, you know, it was your two best athletes and they just timed it poorly and it wasn't yeah. executed well. And you shouldn't have done it then because of Tariq Bracey not being in the game. You should not have put Jaden Mickey in that situation, in my opinion. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. You learn from it, but uh, I, I don't mind the, the call, Ryan. I just, I didn't love yeah. the timing of the call. That was really more of my issue. I, I did like that they had confidence in Jaden Mickey in that moment because that's a tough spot mm-hmm. to be in with a double safety. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's not easy. That's a good man. point. Like, it says defender, a lot about like... what they thought of him because yeah. even after the game, he wasn't like, you know what, looking back, we should have put Jaden. No, he just said, Jaden's, Jaden's got to, you know, he's got to execute it better. It's mm-hmm. like, man, it's like they really are expecting that kid to just kind of come out in game one and yeah. be that dude which says a yeah. lot about what Jaden has done at Notre Dame over the last, you know, nine months to earn that respect. So like you said, Ryan, they, they didn't flinch. Like, you know what? We shouldn't have put him in that scenario. No, they didn't no, flinch they at threw, all about that. They threw him in there. Benjamin Morrison played a ton in a big, in your biggest game of the year, potentially. Right. Like it's, yeah, I, I feel, I felt like they, the defense side of the ball, I felt really had some, they had some, especially in, in obviously at the cornerback position. I think they had a lot of confidence in those young guys to come in and play. So, and yeah, I, it, that was one positive out of a ne- very negative play. In my opinion was that like, Oh wow. They, they trust Jane Mickey a ton. That's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yes. Yes. They really did. They really did. Uh, Irish high town. How's Matt Salerno higher on the depth chart than Matt Tobias Merriweather I mean, in all seriousness, like a Ryan and I, I think we agree he shouldn't be, but yes. B the biggest reason is, is cause he's smart. And he knows the offense, and he's a good football player. I mean, Matt Salerno's like not some bum that doesn't deserve to be on a scholarship now in Notre Dame. He's earned a scholarship. He's a good football yeah. player. He's just not the kind of kid you're going to beat Ohio State with. But let's, let's also not forget that yeah. Matt Salerno's phenomenal catch set up Notre Dame's only touchdown of that game. I, right? So this isn't an anti-Matt Salerno thing. It's I'm yeah. cool with Matt Salerno having a role. The issue is that Tobias Merriweather didn't. It doesn't have to sure. be either or. They're different kids. Masselino's a slot. Tobias is an outside guy. And so I understand the sentiment, Ryan. It's just not mm-hmm. one that I think is smart. I mean, if Matt Salerno is going to play eight snaps a game, all right, cool. Right? Fine, I mean, yeah. right, right. all right, cool. Uh, what I don't want to see is Matt Salerno playing eight snaps a game, getting targeted twice, and Tobias Merriweather not playing. That's yes. the issue. But that's true. I don't want to see Braden. I don't see anybody playing in a sitting there or Tobias Merriweather doesn't play. I just don't want to have this kind of – Matt Salerno sucks. He should never play. He's the reason they First lost. Tobias Merriweather, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because he set up their uh, only touchdown. I think that your quarrel with it is like, I, I think that the general assumption is like, you take Matt Salerno snaps out off and you give it to Tobias Merriweather. That, like, that's not, that's not, that's not fully right. how you have to handle this situation. Like, there's other ways that you can distribute those snaps in different ways, right? And 
And I it, I hate this these types of situations too, Brian, because this is just a perception thing right now, right? It's right. like we agree. Tobias Merriweather should be playing more than Matt Salerno. 100%. I'm there. You don't have to convince me of that. But if Matt Salerno didn't get targeted that last time, and he has one target and one catch for 30-something yards, 32. then everybody leaves that game and says, like, what's that? Yo, Matt can help you. Matt can help 100%. you. That's what yeah. you're saying. Matt can help you. Right. The perception is like, wow, they got a they got a steal as a former walk-on right. that in his one right. target made a huge play. Cool. But it's just right. the fact of what the last play was that targeted right. him, right? Like that's the right. that's the, the difference here. Right. As if no other Notre Dame receiver in history has ever gotten an offensive pass interference penalty. Right. Like, look, again, my issue isn't Matt Salerno playing eight snaps. I expected Matt Salerno to play eight snaps. Uh the the issue is not playing Tobias and not targeting Tobias. So, um, and then Matt's just kind of become a little bit of the whipping boy. And, and I mean, I'd have to go back and listen to what we said. Maybe we phrased it after the game in a way that made people feel that way as well. But it was never really about why is Matt Salerno playing? It's yeah. why isn't Braden Lindsay? And, and Tobias is even the guy that I wanted to get the ball there. It was throw the flip and one-on-one field throw there to Lorenzo yeah. Styles or Braden mm-hmm. Lindsay. That's that's more of who should have the ball, but it's not an anti-Matt Salerno thing. It's yeah. just not proper use, in my opinion. So that's where I where I come down on that one. So yep. great great questions today, everybody. Though, but, but Chi Town, we're not sh- we're not shiting you. I, I yeah. understand it. I completely understand it. It's a frustration. It's a bigger picture frustration. I just don't want us to become, you know, like like. I mean, what's Matt Salerno supposed to do? No, nah, coach, I don't want to play. It's the same thing with Joe Schmidt. I never got mad at Joe Schmidt. What's Joe supposed to say? No, nah, coach, man, look, put Niles in. He's better than I am. No, he's going to answer the bell. He gets his chance to play. He's going to go want to go play. Was Matt Salerno supposed to coach, man, don't throw me the ball right now. Throw it to Tyree. Throw it to Lindsey. Throw it to – well, how would you put Tobias in the game? No, he wants to play, and he wants to make plays because he thinks he can make plays. Because if Matt Salerno didn't think he could make plays, he wouldn't have made the play that he made on national yeah. TV against Ohio State. And he so, wouldn't, and he, pro- and he wouldn't be on scholarship because that means that he probably didn't work hard enough to get right. to that point, right? Like right. there's, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, here's a here's a, an interesting question, Brian J. Irish. If Notre Dame defense can make C.J. Stroud look average, are there any other quarterbacks on Notre Dame's schedule that worry you? Because I'm not. Look, just because they had a great game plan against C.J. Stroud doesn't mean other quarterbacks can't hurt them because they have to. Ex- right. The reason they kept C.J. Stroud in check is because they had a great game plan and they executed that game plan incredibly well. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to execute the game plan against Marshall really well. I mean, if they don't play well this weekend, Henry Columbia could throw for more yards than CJ Stroud did. Right. Yeah. That's the reality of it. And he's one of the worst quarterbacks that Notre is going to play this year. You know, but Jaron Hall is a kid that Notre Dame has to worry about. Absolutely has to worry you because he can make a little more arms and legs. Yes. There you go. 100%. And there was a couple times where CJ Stroud should have tucked the ball and ran. Yes. Like, especially there was one, I think it was a third down throw. I was like, if that dude runs, he might have picked up the first down. Like, he's needs he to can learn. move, man. He's yes. not a bad mover. I don't get it. Uh, yeah, it's weird. He just doesn't want to run. I don't know why. Yeah. He just doesn't want to run. Uh, obviously, uh, Phil Dracovic is a kid to worry about. Now, the offensive line's a problem. But if the offensive yes. line's figured out by game 11, Phil Dracovic's going to make some throws because he made some throws against Rutgers on Saturday when he got Garrett, time. Garrett Schrader is Garrett definitely Schrader, a guy to worry about. <laughs> right, right. Tanner McKee at Stanford, you know, because yeah. they looked good. I mean, again, they played Colgate, right? So what do we really know? But they looked good. He was throwing, spreading the ball around. You know, they were throwing the ball all over the field. Uh, EJ Smith had 100 yards rushing. That may not seem like much, but it, it wasn't that long ago last year where I don't think he would have had a 100-yard game against an FCS team, yeah, man, right? He- they like, they took it to the fighting toothpaste that day, yeah, man. They yeah. Took it to him. So um I just for me, and then of course you end the season with Caleb Williams. Yes. So run. yeah, there's run a, a lot of good quarterbacks left on the schedule. Are any of them as good as CJ Stroud? No. But and the, and there that's are that's not the doesn't mean they shouldn't scare you because you because you can't ask your team to play at that level every single game. That's hard to do. 100%. It's hard to do. I was gonna say, do, Brian. Yeah. Is is there is there many quarterbacks in college football that are playing at a better rate to, through two weeks than Drake May, also from North Carolina? Like he's playing fantastically right now. Again, it's not against the right. greatest competition That's in the world, point. but like kid looks right. and good. it's against bad kid competition, right? But yes, yes he has looked yes. good. He can't control the competition; he can only control how he plays, and he's played well. Yep. So yeah, I got, it's a great point, Ryan. It's a great point. Great point. So uh, and then Kay, uh, Robert Bishop said Caleb Williams is a different breed of animal than C.J. Stroud, bro. 
I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. I think he's more of a runner than CJ, but I wouldn't call him a different breed of animal. I think they're very similar in how they play. The difference is that CJ is smarter from an experiential standpoint. I'd say CJ is a little bit more accurate than Caleb Williams is. Caleb's a little bit more of a runner, but they're very similar quarterbacks in a lot of other ways. And especially with how they're used. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're, you know, playing Pat Mahomes one week, Russell Wilson, the next, and then Lamar Jackson with how Baltimore uses him. Right. It's not that type of different type of situation, Uh, or you're playing, you know, Aaron Rodgers one week and Josh Allen, the next, those are two completely different breeds of quarterback. I don't mm-hmm. think the gap between CJ and, and and Caleb from a style is that is that big of a difference, Ryan. Other than just yeah. one kid just runs it more and, and yeah, it's is just, better at running. Right. It's a style. It's a stylistic difference. That's all it is. Right. I'll, I forgot to tell you, Brian. Happy uh, Happy NFL NFL Opening Day. Sure. So <laughs> moving on to the next question, uh, Milton fan fifteen. Uh, B Ryan, do you prefer having a Viper or a traditional D line front? For me, and I'll give Ryan a minute to think about this one. For me, yeah. as an offensive coach, I'm going to be more concerned if you have a, a, a Viper in the game because a guy mm-hmm. that has that is he he can do everything that a a four down traditional D lineman can do. He can set the edge, he can rush the quarterback, but he actually, in my opinion, there's a little bit more variety of what you can do with him not even just on twists and stunts and different things like that and quick double moves of line ryan but to me it's much easier for a guy to drop up underneath coverage from a two-point stance than it is from a three-point stance right and so i think those different things for me i like here's an example if i'm an offensive coordinator and i'm watching a team that has a traditional defensive line front okay and they've got their their down linemen and you're giving me an open window to the boundary with a corner off, and that will is tucked inside, I am taking that throw all day, yeah. right? All day. I am not with a Viper because a Viper can jump it about every time, mm-hmm. right? A lot easier than a guy with his hand in the ground. So if a guy with his hand in the ground is jumping up underneath my five-yard outcut, then we've got much bigger problems than than the alignment of that defensive end. <laughs> Either he is – Huh, who gave who gave Von Miller a helmet uh, at you know and playing this level of football? And number two, it's why is my quarterback not throwing the ball where he needs to go? Right? I mean, those right. are the things I'm going to see. So for me, I think the way that they do it is fine as long as the guy can play a traditional end spot as well. If you're playing right. a viper in a way like I didn't love how they did it last year, Ryan. They had Isaiah Foskey off the ball way too much, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But how mm-hmm. they did it Saturday, I was completely fine with. Completely fine. Yeah. With. I'll say this. I, I I've, I've reiterated this enough at this point, but I'm a big fan of giving coaches options. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. of having options as a coach as well. So I'm 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 full for the hybrid edge rusher that is a viper, right? Like that guy that is. It's basically an on-ball Sam linebacker at this point, right? Like, that's basically what it's turned into. And I'm a big fan of that player because as mm-hmm. long as he can do the traditional pass rush stuff, it gives you options, right? Like, you can drop him at points. I'm not a big fan of dropping a ton, but, like, right. when I have to, when I know that, hey, they're, they're killing us with a short game, let's 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 pull him one play. Like, here it is type of thing. Like And in today's game, Brian, we've talked about this a ton with how the pass is so oriented in today's game, you have to play some three man down at some point, right? Like you can't just play four man all of the time. You have to play some three and get into your dime package and do all that type of stuff. Like you can't just be, you can't just sit in a four down all day and just play football. Like right. You can't do that anymore. So having that hybrid rusher gives you the option of keeping a potentially dynamic football player on the field and still play three man and not have to play four man mm-hmm. all the time. So I'm, I'm in favor of it. Virginia Irish 540. I'm on my lunch break right now. Unacceptable that we have to work during IB breakdown hours. I agree. I agree. You should definitely have a conversation with your boss about that. Uh, no no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But we appreciate you fighting through, fighting the man, fighting the power. I love it. Fighting the Robert man. Bishop, I loved Brandon <laughs> Joseph's hit, but how was that not a targeting penalty? Uh, didn't lead with a crown of his helmet, didn't hit a defenseless mm-hmm. player, and also led with his shoulder. So yeah. I, I, I 
there was nothing. Now, I actually thought he was going to get called for targeting just because officials don't have any clue how to call that. And every time a guy gets lit up, it's almost like, oh, they're going to call targeting. I just was waiting on that to happen. You Uh, know what the dumbest dumbest part of that penalty is? If you get a targeting call, they can watch the film and say if you can stay stay in the football game. And if you stay in the football game, it's still a 15-yard penalty. How does that make any sense? You just said it wasn't targeting, but uh, you still get 15 yards? It doesn't make any There's a lot of dumb things about that. There's a lot of dumb things about that rule. There's no doubt about that. A lot of dumb things about it. Alan Watson with a super check or with a question, I should say, Brian and Ryan, during the week of the game, do you practice in the colors you will wear on Saturday to prepare a younger quarterback? So this is something I've always found interesting. And I I kind of understand it at like high school and the division three level. But normally Mm -hmm. what we, what would happen, and this has been, this was true in Notre Dame for years. It was true of, you know, teams that I have been a part of, it's like, so the offense will always wear the, the color of the, where you're playing that week. And then the defensive players will wear white scout team and starters. I've never understood that. I've never understood why your guys on your quote unquote varsity don't wear the color of the game. You're going to play at home and the other team doesn't wear white or vice versa. If you're playing on the road, I've never, I've never understood that. And in a place like Notre Dame, there's definitely no excuse. Cause you can have double numbers. You know, and and mm. and so that's like, you know, because you need multiple numbers because sometimes your scout team players are going to be because scout team players will wear the number of the corresponding player that you're going against. Right. And so yeah. you need multiple jerseys, which is, again, why I understand why you can't do it at like the high school level if you can't afford the extra jerseys. I get that. But I just have never understood why teams like Notre Dame don't do that, to be honest with you. But uh, maybe that's changed. But I've always thought that the guys in the varsity rotation should be wearing the color of the jersey you're going to be playing in that weekend. Just Seems like common sense to me at this level. Huh. So is what it is. I'm, I I have never thought about that. That's very interesting. Yeah, I've thought, thought about that all the time. I was like, why why are why are we why are this doesn't make any sense? This doesn't make any sense. You should annoy the crap out of me. But I understood why I never brought it up when I was coaching D three or one double A because it's like I knew we couldn't afford all those jerseys, right? Like right. I remember the conversations right. about can we even get new jerseys this offseason because their old jerseys were like kind of ratty. But it's like, nah, you know how much that costs? Like, nope, sorry. <laughs> Uh, Drunk Vigo, it's going to be an easy answer. Uh, Driscoll, would you rather have Tommy Reese's OC or John Gruden? Tommy Reese, are you kidding me? Like John Gruden, like you really, first of all, John Gruden has no concept of how to coach two college kids. None. He barely can make his yeah. stuff learnable for NFL players. Okay. First of all, number talk two, about a guy that tries to be the smartest guy in the room. All oh the my time, gosh. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. Number two, um, it's a little bit of baggage surrounding John Gruden right yeah, now. Just a little. Just you a know, little. Uh, that, that might make that not necessarily the greatest hire in the world. Now, whether he said or did the things he said or did, the reality is, is that's still being worked out. And that's just not something I'm touching right now if I'm Notre Dame. And number three, why the heck would John Gruden want to come to Notre Dame and be an offensive coordinator? Like, you yeah. know, it, I've never understood the infatuation with John Gruden because his dad coached here or something like that. Like, I just have never understood that. I think John Gruden is one of the most overrated coaches of the last 20 years. He's so incredibly overrated. I mean, I enjoy his shtick. You know, he's doing stuff on ESPN, you know, the fired football coaches thing. That was entertaining. But as far as a coach, like the guy had a great run with the the Buccaneers on a team that Tony Dungy built, right? Yeah. Let's not forget that either. That, that he, one on defense, <laughs> if we're being yes. honest. Like, yeah, yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, just I've never, I've never understood that. I've never, I've never understood the infatuation some people have with him. Who, who, I mean, who would have thought that giving him a 10 year contract was going to end terribly? Like, obviously no one thought it was going to end the way it did, but like, did anybody think that that was going to be a successful move when the game? Raiders are going to win a Super Bowl with John Gruden. Like what? Okay. Man. Doesn't make any sense. 10 year contract, man. Crazy. Was not smart. Was not smart. It's like, it's like giving up, you know, another coach, a 10 year contract that we know of. Just kidding. Let's move on. Yep. Uh, got a question from Squirrely Weasel Gaming. He says, why can some teams come out of the gate extremely fluid on offense, Georgia, Utah, and Notre Dame always seems confused or lost on offense? Well, number one, Utah did not play a defense or a team nearly as good as the one that Notre Dame played. Neither did Georgia it, it, when we're looking at Utah. And number two, I mean, that's – he's always seems confused or lost on offense. Uh, in the opener, I, I don't know if you remember last year's opener, but Notre Dame absolutely shredded Florida State last year with their offense. I mean, they scored 41 points, and if Brian Kelly doesn't call off the dogs in the third freaking quarter, 
they'd have had even more. But they went for uh, Notre Dame last year went for, for like I said, 41 points last year uh, and had 431 yards of offense against Florida State. Uh, the year before, I mean, COVID year, Notre Dame moved the ball against Duke. They just had some mistakes that cost them points. Uh, the year before that, the offense rushed for 230 yards and, and had 193 yards passing, went for 6.5 yards per play in the opener against Louisville. Uh, so, again, they won 35-17 on the road. Uh, I thought the offense played well in the opener against Michigan in 2018. They would have needed to do to win uh, against a, top, a preseason top 10 team. Uh, 2017, the offense rushed for 422 yards in the opener against Temple, averaged 8.2 yards per play. Uh, you're picking up a theme here when Notre Dame played teams that couldn't that stunk. They did really well on offense in the opener. Uh, in 2016, for all the issues that team had, that Notre Dame team scored 47 points with help of overtime, had 444 yards of offense. Offense was not a problem for Notre Dame in that game. 2015, in the opener against against Texas, Notre Dame won 38-3. The offense had 214 yards rushing, 313 yards passing, and had 527 total yards, 7.0 yards per play. The year before that, 2014, the offense had 576 yards of offense, 9 yards per play, and 48 points. So I kind of just went through their entire history of playing like the last decade, and with, it, with two exceptions, Notre Dame has done pretty well on offense in the opener. Uh, they they moved the ball. And if you go back to 2013 in 2012, they moved the ball. The, the box score against Temple, and I don't know if you remember this game, Ryan. They beat Temple 28-6. Tommy Reese had a couple touchdown passes to Vars Daniels. They only scored 28 points. They had 543 yards of offense and 8.8 yards per play. And then in 2012 in the opener, they beat Navy 50-10 to and averaged 7.1 yards per play. So, I mean, offense hasn't really been a problem in the opener the last 10 years they had a bad game against ohio state it, 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 there's there's not a lot deeper to that guys it's just they did not play well against ohio state and they need to play better it's as simple as that and george if notre dame would have played oregon notre dame wouldn't have looked a lot better on offense would they have looked like georgia probably not georgia has a 25 year old starting quarterback right they have a lot of veteran players coming back against a defense that's not very good i don't think so I mean, that's that's the difference. If Tyler Buckner is still in Notre Dame in five years, I'm pretty sure he'll look good in the opener because I think that's how long he'll need to be at Notre Dame to be the same age as Stetson Bennett is right now. So I just wanted to address that one here real quick. Michael S. with a super chat. Michael says, is Dante Moore choosing A, stay at Oregon, B, rethink Notre Dame, C, looking at a third choice? I don't know. I know it's not B. Uh, outside of that, I don't. it's not really something I've concerned myself with. Um, mm -hmm. He chose not. He didn't want to be at Notre Dame, and his dad's not all of a sudden going to be pro Notre Dame uh, just because Oregon got crushed by or by uh, Georgia. by Georgia. What he's going to do is look for some other school that's willing to offer him a big NIL deal. But it was never about the fit at Oregon. It was always about his dad getting the deal. That's what it was always about. So, yeah. you know, I don't think it was Dante's priority. Dante's at Oregon because Dante allowed other people to have a bigger say on his decision than than he probably should have. And uh, that's not going to change just because of the opener. Because Notre Dame was already better than Georgia. Or Oregon, I mean. Excuse me. Oregon. Uh, make sure <laughs> I get that clear. Uh, I'm so going to clip that yeah. later. <laughs> Notre Dame's always been better than Georgia. I'm, you're pissing me off today, buddy. Tell you what, Ladarius Martin. Uh, Brian, Brian and Ryan, can you all give me um, a little history about SMU in the 80s before I watched the Pony Express? I had no idea SMU was good at one time. SMU's had a couple really good stretches. Of football, mm -hmm. I mean, do the Doak Walker Award, uh, Doak Wa the best running back college football. That's, he played at SMU, correct? I believe Doak Walker played at SMU. Am I right about that, Ryan? I, I think you're um, right. I was going to look it up, but yeah, yeah, because I, uh, I I always get it, like Dave. I always get him confused with Davey O'Brien, who played at TCU. Yes, he mm -hmm. played at SMU. He mm -hmm. was a played in the back in the forties. Uh, so yes, Doak Walker played at SMU. Uh, SMU has uh, let's see here. They have three claimed national titles. Uh, 1935, 1981, and 1982, 11 co Southwest Conference championships. Uh, so, yeah, SMU was never like they were on those couple years of the Pony Express, but they had a good football program. They were just never going to be Texas and Texas A&M and things like that, and the only way they could get there is to cheat even more than those teams were. Yep. The funny thing about that is hilarious. is like everybody was cheating back then, but it's like if you weren't allowed to cheat that way if you were SMU. They were just so flagrant with it. You know, yeah. and uh, and that was the thing is like as soon as they went out and beat Texas, it's like you were done. 
you're done because Texas is not going to stand for that. They're going to sell mm-hmm. you out in a heartbeat. And the way the NCA was, they weren't going to go after Texas. They were going to go after Alabama. They weren't going to go after those teams. They were going to go after SMU and use like, them as as like the you know you're 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 going to suffer. We're going to use you as the you know we're, we're going to hammer you to make people think we care about cheating, right? Yep. Because they were so obnoxious with it. I mean, that's the crazy thing with it. And and there was a lot more. There was politics involved. I mean, you had to govern the state. There was just so much craziness involved in that situation. Um, most of it was like the Eric Dickerson thing, right? Mm-hmm. The trans A&M. You know, it's like, what's he going to yeah. do? What are they going to do? Hey, we paid this. Guy. I love that. It's my favorite. He goes, hey, we bought this kid, and he's not honoring the deal. <laughs> what, what are they going to do? You know what I mean? Like, um, but yeah, it was uh, Southwest Conference football was pretty darn good back then, man. It really was. Really was. I was going to say, it reminds me a, a little bit of, remember when Hugh Freeze first got at Ole Miss and he, and he was getting guys like Robert Candici and yeah, La- Laquan, uh, Laquan Treadwell, Treadwell yeah. all that stuff. And they, I think they beat Alabama the one year, right? It was like with Bo Wallace. And, but at, at that point I was like, oh man, they're going to cut, they're going to start sniffing around a little bit. Like how do they get those guys in there type mm-hmm. of thing. And right. That, it happened eventually. Lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, <laughs> something happened. Right. You know? But then they act like he's the only one cheating. And it's like, uh, no, nope, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, let's see here. We got some more. Caden Moore says, Notre Dame, do they, does Notre Dame have a better chance of beating Ohio State this year or next year? Well, next year now because they have no, they, have, they, they can't guarantee a game against Ohio State. But I, I'll I'll say this. I think next year, I think Ohio State, I've said what I've, I've, said, what I've said about this team. I think this, this team, Notre Dame should be focusing on winning with this year's team, not next year's team, because this year's team does have a lot of talent that they can build around. Having said that, when you look at next year's team, Ohio State's going to lose a ton off next year's team. Now, they're going to have a lot of recruits coming along too, but it's going to be a lot like Notre Dame. You lose a veteran quarterback, you're going to lose your veteran receiver, you're going to lose a lot of guys off of your defense that are going to be in the NFL. You're going to lose Ronnie Hickman. You're probably going to lose Cam Brown, I would think. Uh, you're going to lose Zach Harrison. You're going to lose, yeah. you know, who? who? Paris Who's Johnson, Dewan Jones. Right, you're probably going to lose Paris Johnson, yeah. probably going to lose Dewan Jones. You know, so I mean, you're gonna and you're gonna be replacing them with very talented players, but it's gonna be very talented young players, very much like Notre Dame had. Now, the difference is, is Ohio State's gonna have several games next year to to get ready for that because I think it's what game four or five is uh, when they is when they play next year, right? Is is it game four or five? I, I believe. I think it's four. Let me look this up here. It's gonna be September twenty third, so most likely week four is when mm-hmm. they come to Notre Dame. They play Western Kentucky and then Youngstown State the two weeks before that. So. Uh, they'll have some games to get ready yeah yeah real tough real tough so most likely will be will be a september 4th game or a september game but it'll be the fourth game excuse me we are not marshall brian can you explain your experience how you got your teams ready for trap games did you change tempo or practice or get back to basics you know what i honestly stole from lou holtz i did i'm not gonna lie Uh, my players did not want to be around me in a week when we're playing a crap team did not. I was going to be super demanding. Nothing was going to be good enough because if I can't get them focused on the opponent, I want them focused on me. And what can I do to get coach to not be on me all freaking day today, right? And get them locked in. No, no let up today because the team stinks. Honestly, that's what I did. And, you know, I think it worked pretty well, to be honest with you, at least for my kids, uh, for my group anyway. So, uh, I don't think I'm not a big believer in changing the tempo of practice just because I think practice needs to be that thing where you're consistent with how, who we're trying to be as a football team. Uh, so, you know, the only time I would change tempo of practice is if we were going to try to change the tempo of the game on Saturday. So it was just more about what my demands were. You know, I, I, I didn't make them run extra. I didn't, no, I didn't do that stuff, but it just, man, it was very demanding. I was going to make sure that they were locked in on doing what they need to do this week. Because if they weren't going to stay locked in because of the opponent, then they were going to, like I said, they were going to stay locked in because they didn't want me to be pissed. And that was always going to be the key. So got a question from Jared Rhodes. Uh, Brian and Ryan, if you didn't cover Notre Dame, if you had the same job for a different school, what would your perception of the Irish be preseason compared to post-Ohio State game? It's kind of hard to do that, though, Ryan. It's kind of hard for me to yeah. just kind of forget and look at Notre Dame from a different perspective than I did now. Uh, I would imagine that it would look a lot like what most people look at. Like, I've I've had a lot of Ohio State people reach out to me. Man, Notre Dame's way better than I thought they were. I'm like, well, 
they didn't even play a very good game. But your expectations yeah. were so low for this Notre Dame team. You just thought they sucked that you're you're now all of a sudden thinking this Notre Dame team is really good, even though they won by 11 because you thought you're going to beat them by 40. I'd mm-hmm. pro- I would like to say that that would not be my reaction because I would like to think I was smart enough to actually do real analysis of Notre Dame. But it would probably be something like that. Like, you know, they, they got better athletes on defense than I thought they were going to have, you know. Um, right. Uh, I would still think their offensive line sucks because that's what the film would have showed me last year. I would not be very optimistic about, I think that's the one thing I would say, Ryan. I would not be very optimistic about their offensive line because I would have broken yeah. down film of last year, but like, it's not very good. And I'd have broken down film of that game and said, it's not very good. That even even with, even with your knowledge over here uh, about Harry Eastand, you still think yeah. it would be that way? Cause I would okay. question the talent. That would be the reason why gotcha. I would question gotcha. the talent. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't necessarily know was I wouldn't have broken down Joe Alt coming out of high school as much as I had. I probably I may not know that his dad's a former NFL player. You know what I mean? Like some of that stuff, yeah. I may mm-hmm. not have the knowledge of. And I'm like, you know, Coach Eastan's gonna have to go recruit his dudes to to Notre Dame. That's kind of I'd have been like, you know, outside of Blake Fisher, you know, I'm not really sure who's that stud over there. But uh, I think that would probably have more to do with. It. I'd be like, hey, Joe Alt's a really solid player, really nice player, but like their interior guys are not good. And you can tell to me all you want about Harry Easton. Those guys just aren't – they just don't play well. You know, I just mm-hmm. don't think they're that talented. So uh, – because I wouldn't see the practice stuff that we've seen of Zeke Carell and the the different things that we've seen where he's been really good in practice and things like that. I wouldn't have that knowledge if I didn't cover the team. Right. I would just know of what he did in games last year. I'm like, this guy is really not good. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that's where my my perception would, would probably be. And I, and I don't know if I would have as much confidence as Tyler Buckner's a thrower as I do now, to be honest with you. Because all I would have is this junior year of high school. I wouldn't have yeah. all the, the practice knowledge that we have about what he's done in practice and things like that. So I think those are the two areas to me, Ryan, that would probably mm-hmm. have a diff- a little bit of a different perception uh, if I didn't cover Notre Dame. I don't know if that's very interesting. No, it, it does so. make sense. I, I honestly am just like trying to put myself in different shoes and trying to imagine like I, I just genuinely, Jared, do not know. I do not know because – it, it seems like there's a very extremist kind of outlook of Notre Dame, though, isn't it, Brian? It's like mm-hmm. realistic perspective. But then, like you said, I mean, a lot of people don't like Notre Dame. Like, they just dislike them. So I – Or they I just make assumptions, would... lazy assumptions about Notre Dame because right. that's what everybody else says. Right. You know, I think that I think that's a big part of it, too. Oh, they, they don't they don't have athletes, and they don't have this, and they don't do that. They can't get the kids into school because of academics. And I'd have all those other lazy assumptions that, that people have about Notre Dame, I think. It's true. It's true. Just tough to imagine with that. Because also my fandom is also a part of Notre Dame too, which, you know, right. does, has some right. inherent. I can't just pretend I don't know what I know. That's the difficulty right. of it. 100%. But I do. 100%. I like the question, Jared. I think that's a very intriguing it's question. A, I, I, actually, I love the question. It's just, I can't give you a great answer because I just can't immediately hit like the swipe button, uh, uh, you know, and like delete, you know, control alt delete. And just everything that I know about Notre Dame is gone. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting. It's very, it's a very interesting thought. Very interesting thought. Mm-hmm. So that's going to do it for our show today, everybody. Thank you all so much for being with us today, Brian. That's back to back days. We finished a show in under two hours, man. I'm really impressed. We're good. Uh, well, so, you're good. Uh, it's I'm Marshall week. That's why it's Marshall <laughs> week. It may be a little different in a couple weeks, but anyway, everybody, thank you all so much for joining us. As we said before, Hey, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, please. Give us a five-star review if you're listening via podcast. Sign up for the CFB Nation channel on YouTube and on the podcast app, and make sure that you're checking those out. Uh, help us get up to help us get monetized on the on the YouTube channel by getting to 4,000 watch hours. We're around a thousand right now, so check that content out. Uh, it's fresh content. When we break down the games that we're going to watch this weekend, that Ryan and I break down tomorrow, we'll put those on the on the CFB Nation YouTube channel as well. So you definitely want to check those out. So. For Ryan, I'm Brian. No IB Nation sports talk tonight uh, as Sean Styers is closer. But Sean is expecting to work this weekend. He's going to do some things. I tried to tell him to stay home. He wants to be at the game. He will be there. He's going to have some work to do. Uh, he'll have some work he wants to do. So I would hope that he'll be back next week because I've definitely missed having him on the IB Nation sports talk show. It's just not the same uh, without Sean being on it. So, But glad to hear he is doing better. So thanks, everybody, for joining us. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow, 1 p.m., Prediction time on the Irish Breakdown podcast.